0: Welcome listeners to sleep, eat, perform and repeat. This is a podcast on high performance. It'll be presented by myself, David Clancy and my two co-hosts, Conor Gavin and Kieran Dunn. What we're striving to achieve here is figure out what makes high performing individuals tick, why they do what they do and why are they successful? Rate and review, share with your friends, but most importantly, enjoy. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Sleep Eat, Perform, Repeat, episode number 45. Today we spoke to Lee Cox, top 50 coach by today's golfer, long drive coach to a top 10 world long driver, Martin Borgmeier at Full Beard Long Drives, fellow of the PGA and a devoted West Ham fan. This episode is for aspiring golfers who want to learn about swing and power mechanics, maximum distance tools and strategy amongst many other pearls of wisdom. We asked about talent identification for pathways to drive long and discussed ball striking. It's not necessarily about how fast one strikes, but how well one strikes the ball that really matters for Lee. He compared the ball striking patterns of amateur to elite to professional golfers. Lee is the man that helps golfers really perform under the lights and makes the crowd take out the popcorn. There is so much to take away from this episode, from key themes such as the importance of preparation, mental versus physical prowess, and mindset. If you'd like more information on this episode or any of our others, please check out our website at www.sleepeatperformrepeat.com. Please subscribe, share, rate and review. But most importantly, listen and enjoy.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Sleep Eat Perform Repeat. Today we are talking to Lee Cox,
0: who David is going to give an introduction to. So Lee is a fellow of the PGA, a director of Golf at the Shire London, a long drive coach and very much a maximum distance expert, and a top fifty coach around the world, very much recognized for helping people improve their swing and power mechanics. We were introduced to Lee by Martin Borgmeier, who we're gonna release in this podcast in about a week's time, who is a long driver on the professional circuit. So Lee, thanks very much for coming on today. How's life? What are you what are you up to these days? Uh, yeah,
2: good to, good to talk to you, David. Yeah, Thanks for inviting us on. Uh, good time of year for us. Weather's good. Everyone's swinging fast. A few long drive tournaments are going on in the next few weeks. So, uh,
0: good time of year for, for golf and long drive. Very good. So, just maybe educate the listeners a little bit on the subtleties of long drive and kind of what drew you to it in the first place. How you got involved in long drive.
2: Uh, I suppose as uh, a youngster, uh, I hit the ball quite a long way. So, uh, and I, I was always quite good at sort of athletics and stuff. And uh, I was quite interested in that subject. Um, but how it sort of came around where I fully got involved was uh, the young Joe Miller's dad uh, came to speak to me. Joe Miller went on to become two time world champion at long drive. And he came to speak to me and um, he said, Is there any chance you can help my son get into long drive? Which is something I agreed to do. And then to be honest, I got in the car and started driving home and thought, I don't actually know anything about long drive. <laughs> so uh, so that, that, that was the journey. I'd actually agreed to something. I didn't have a huge amount of uh, knowledge on at that point, uh, apart from the fact I've, I've seen Jason, the great Jason back win some world titles, and, and Big Cat Williams back in the 70s, I'd seen some swings. So I guess it came from an interest uh, in uh, speed hitting the boys on way, and then I got an introduction to. Uh,
0: So you kind of faked it till you made it.
2: (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you make the most of your opportunities. Well, what what I didn't know looking back, I was given someone with uh, with super talent and athleticism, and then it was just about trying to guide him in the right direction. And and the the journey actually at that point was a bit of a learning curve for me and him. I mean, since then, the things I learned with Joe and through Joe, I've gone on a one. Probably 80,
0: 90 long drive events and three world titles. So it's been a good journey on from Joe onwards there. Yeah. And talk to us about the process. How you really go about helping these guys strike the ball better, which in turn helps them strike it further. What what kind of d- don't tell us all the tricks of your trade, but <laughs> but here I'm a guy who wants to learn how to drive the ball a bit further. Kind of what are the kind of simple sort of cues and things you try to instruct or look at?
2: Sure. So I suppose if, it, if it's purely if it's purely long drive, you certainly the first thing you need is you need enough clubhead speed to be able to compete. So if you're not swinging it over 135 miles an hour, wow. uh, getting your ball speed up near 200 miles an hour, you're not going to be competitive. So the first time for someone coming in, obviously I'm going to do the, the basic stuff which I do for anyone, which is measure. I'm going to measure their clubhead speed. I'm going to measure their ball speed, which is a, a resultant of clubhead speed. I'm going to video them. We're going to have a look at which bits, where are the leaks of power and whether it's possible to to come up and put them lower numbers. I I found I
0: could normally give everyone about 10 miles an hour of clubhead speed. So if you wanted to
2: be a long driver and you turned up with 100 miles an hour of clubhead speed, you're you're probably not going to make the jump to 135. But uh, if I see someone coming over 130 to 135,
1: they've got a chance of being a long driver. So, Lee, do you have a particular coaching philosophy, apart from if we kind of take a step back from the technical aspects there, like the, the club head speed, but overall, do you have a philosophy to your coaching?
2: No, not really. I've, I've always been a big um, gatherer of knowledge. So, um, over the years, I I would always I, I looked at every style of swing as I could. I was a big collector, a big library collector of books, information, which, which has never changed to this day. So um, I, I would come, for instance, from golf machine um, to stack. And so I'd look at all sorts of different styles and then accumulate my own information based on that. So I don't really particularly follow a method. But even to this day, um, I've been to a couple of courses recently in subjects I'm interested. So my journey of knowledge never ends, really. I always try and find out something. So even if we took it for long drive, for instance, I, I tried to find in the world i found two living in america i contacted them i found the best biomechanics guy i felt for long drive uh, living in hawaii and then another guy in america i contacted them so i've always been seeking and looking and contacting people i think would have knowledge that would help me but not really a method i, I sort of suck bits from everybody
0: if that makes sense yeah okay talk to us a little bit around the kind of psychology or, or the mindset maybe for a long driver i mean martin educated the two of us on the fact that, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he has eight potential balls and he only needs one to really land in that grid. So it's all about hitting that one sweet strike to go the distance. Is that right? Yeah,
2: it's changed over the years. At some point it was six shots and then it's gone up to eight. It might go back to six. So normally always is between six and eight. But the last few years it's been eight shots. I've seen a few different... Um, Miles over the years, um, I know a couple of long drivers like to get a safe one in. So if you were doing like triple jump, just get one in, put a mark down. And certainly in the later knockout stages, I'd always tell my long drivers just to get one in. At least make the guy do some work because the worst
0: thing in long drivers is to put eight out of bounce. Yeah.
2: And then from there, um, if you've got one in, you could probably turn the speed up a little bit and then try and push the number. So I would always say it is try and get one in early, get something and then try and put the speed up. Um, Joe Miller, who's probably won 50 long drive titles, will be going all out on everything. Um, however, he is confident he's going to put something in the grid. So a little, a little bit different per person, but my view on it is put something in and then ramp up the speed from there. Okay,
1: okay. very good. So if you look at the, uh, not that I know too many of them, but the, the few ones that I've seen, the long drivers, their they're kind of physique is slightly different to... Uh, some of the, the golfers on tour in terms of they're their much broader through the shoulders and, and trunk. So obviously there's some different physiological characteristics needed, but are there mental or psychological characteristics that are different, uh, that are needed to be successful from a long driver to, say, a, a regular PGA Tour golfer? Yeah, so from a physical
2: point of view, you know, it, it's no a um, coincidence that a lot of the guys walking through the door six six or 6'5 six, um, and if they're not that big at that time, they're going to get pretty big. So strength matters yeah. as a fact in, um, in long drive. Being big and strong, I mean, the stronger you are, the more force you can put on the club, and the quicker you can accelerate. So that's why you'll see a lot of people of that stamp. There are some over the years, some sort of outliers, sort of shorter guys, but it's a bit like, you can never quite tell what's under the bonnet. You know, The amount of times you go to the gym, and there's a little guy there shipping some serious weight, so you can't always tell what someone's got under the bonnet, but most of the guys would tend to be on that same step. I know in other sports like rowing, where they're always searching for a certain field, so that build tends to sort of fit. Um, I suppose from a psychological point of view, is that, I guess if, if you were a boxer and you were going out to fight, you want to be pretty aggressive from the beginning, and if you were playing golf, you'd want the opposite to that, you want to be quite calm, so... Probably from a long drive point of view is the adrenaline's important for these guys. i found that once the, you know, those, uh, unlike golf, it's played with a music background, so it's quite noisy. They're allowed to shout quite often a, a drinking crowd are there. So they'll, they'll shout and get lively to get the adrenaline going. So it's very different to playing. Adrenaline can be a big factor in getting extra speed, and you probably want to be a bit pumped, where that probably isn't
0: the best uh, psychological scenario for playing the game and for yourself personally where do you see the game going it's obviously grown immensely in popularity over the last couple of years a testament to the fact that we've reached out to a long drive player and a coach along with golfers because we're both drawn and interested in the game but it's even in ireland it wouldn't be that well known as yet so so what what are the next kind of steps for long drive so that it maybe gets more commonly known and more popular and then People like ourselves might go, oh, geez, we need we need to have a go with that. Maybe hit the gym and start trying long drive.
2: Yeah, so the, um, I mean long drive in Europe really really didn't happen particularly. There was, was a bit of interest until Joe Miller won the 2010 World Long Drive chance. But how niche sports work like that is he, his name probably didn't get out there for another three four years. But now, two times champion, he's still the household name. So. There's one thing that I would find if I teach maybe ten long drive guys. One of the first questions I ask how to into this is, they'll say Joe Miller. Joe Miller. So I believe that he's given the European guy and a world guy because it was only dominated by Canadians and Americans before. That they gave them. The, he gave them the belief that it's possible for your average guy from Europe to go over there and compete with Americans. So I think in life you need a bit of a role model to say this can be done. So. I think he made that a bit of a sport himself in, in sort of UK, Europe, Ireland, where someone might as you think, oh, I'm going to have a go at that. Um, I think as well, um, you know, people like different sports. Top dogs has been quite good, quick ball hits of fun. and It's quite good fun, you know, to stand there and bash your driver as far as you can. So mm. I think there's an element of that. But then if you, if you flip that over to the pro, pro game, the little sort of side thing that's happened for me is that a lot of pros and a lot of amateurs, it's a business that I've done well out of that I never planned, that a lot of pros and amateurs want to hit the ball further. Yeah. So they'll come to me on the basis that they're trying to increase their distance. So the knock-on effect of being well-known for distance um, has helped the long drive business. But also your average man who actually thinks, you know what, I could, I could get a little bit more out of this. And certainly in the pro ranks where, if you look at the famous book, Every... Um, Every, every stroke counts so as the Mark Brody book, um, yeah. is that it's it told people that hitting the ball further is massive with regards to actually competing on the tour. If you don't hit it far enough, you can't compete. It's such an advantage. So, all of that stuff in the mix and that information's coming out has made people very much looking down that long drive route. Where tour players, I think, or amateurs used to look at long drivers as freaks
0: and irrelevant to golf, I look at now. I might be able to learn some of this lot. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, is there such a thing in in long drivers talent uh, talent development or talent identification? So, where obviously you said you people will come into you and you can tell from clubhead speed where they're at, but are there people out there identifying? young athletes who might be who might have potential and then them entering into pathways to get to say like Martin stage or, or anything like that no
2: no not at the moment not that i'm aware of um you know obviously it's the people i'm seeing a word of mouth who are coming through the door but there's no talent identification with that i think um i quite know what martin you see you did something like Baltimore. i like what he's doing with the, the european long drive scene where he's got an amateur thing on the first day and he's got division two and division one. I. I like the fact he's opening up for the average man to have a go, but I would say at the moment that's the only talent identification where he's opening it to a bigger mass audience. Okay. For me, no, for me honestly, I'm just I'm seeing people the, as they come through the door. So yeah. obviously their friends might have hit their long
0: way. And uh, you know, possibly worth having a go, but there isn't anyone out there identifying it, no. And do you find you get a, so you do get a lot of golfers also coming to you that they obviously know that you're very much reputable for your long drive specialisation, but they're coming to you just to help improve their ability to hit with a three-wood or a driver off the tee, yeah? Oh, well, 100%. I mean, as I
2: said, it spawned a business for me that I never planned. So, you know, with, with everybody, playing, everybody wouldn't mind hitting it a little bit further. Not only does it help you. game, there's a bit of fun to it, there's a bit of boasting rights, but um, people like to hit it further. And as I say, these guys now know, or these ladies know, that if you can hit it a bit further and a bit straighter, it's going to make a difference to your handicap. It's going to make a difference to your competition scores. It's
1: going to make you more competitive. But who who doesn't want to hit it a little bit further? Is there... uh, Sorry, you you mentioned earlier about... um you're obviously coaching coaching a lot of people and you mentioned briefly role models, but do you have anyone that you look to as your own role model or people you would go to as kind of a, a source for running new ideas past, new techniques past, or is it all very much self-taught? Um, as I alluded to a little bit earlier, um, there were gaps in my knowledge. So, speed training. Um, I know yeah. a bit about gym
2: stuff, but I'm not a gym expert, but speed training, which you can do at the course, I, I try to find the... The best guys in the world for that. Yeah. Um, ball flight optimization. I found out through Joe Miller there was a guy in Holland who was like a, an expert on ball flight optimization and ballistics. So I made contact with him, um, and then I picked, as I said earlier, bits from different coaches and people yeah. around the world. But uh, to be honest, it's probably now a lot of my own ideas and concepts and thoughts going forward for someone that without speed and. As I've probably got the biggest library of long and drive swings as well
0: out there. So I'm a, I'm a real nerd for the uh, looking at biomechanics and swings. Okay, yeah. We're actually going on a road show in, in a couple of weeks doing workshops dotted around different golf clubs around Ireland with an amateur golfer, low handicapper, who's actually in the Hinch for the Irish Open this week. Yep. And one of the main parts on the agenda that is coming from him as opposed to coming from the two of us is he's going to discuss the key fundamentals to kind of world-class ball striking because he thinks he's great at striking off a tee, right? Yep. For you, you've obviously talked a little bit there on club head speed, ball speed, obviously requisites for long drive. But in your opinion, Lee, as somebody who probably can strike a ball very well and has worked with a lot of golfers who can also strike a ball very well, for you, kind of what would be three or four key fundamentals for a, an amateur player to be able to strike a ball cleanly? Okay, so yes, that's a good question.
2: Um, You're right, most people who come along to me thinking that they're going to come in for a long drive lesson to hit it further, Think I'm going to work on club head speed with them. But but generally I don't, I very quickly go into ball speed. So for maximising distance, obviously the quality of the shot that you're hitting has a big bearing on it. So probably for your average golfer, they're better actually to work on how well they hit it as opposed to how fast they hit it. So, yeah. if someone came in for a lesson, I'd want to find out why they didn't strike it to the potential they could do. Now, your average player's never going to strike it as good as a, an elite amateur or a, or a professional, but the things that you'd normally see which were sucking away distance, so, say for instance, path and face combination. So, what I mean by that, if you have a, an out to in swing and the face is right, that then becomes a glancing blow. Yeah. So, if they can, can neutralise that, glancing blow and curvature on the ball, they will hit it further. Yeah. Um, most people I teach frighteningly have no
0: idea where they're hitting the ball on the face. No idea. If they're if hitting they're it, it on the toe on or the heel, they don't know where they're, where they're hitting a they, flush or not. They, they, they haven't got a clue. They, yeah. they don't know. So, as, as in other sports, um, you know, tennis, cricket,
2: whatever your sport is, unless you hit it out the middle of the, the object you're playing the game with, the ball isn't going to go anywhere. So, you need to find some sense of contact with some consistency. And then, you know, other things that you might then do from um, from a striking point of view, it could be, you know, angle of attack. But then it sort of reverses back to what the person's doing as to why they might not be doing those things well. But if
0: you ask me the one sort of summary what the person needs to do, is they need to eradicate glancing blows. Be the path face, not hit in the middle. I just not get anything out of the bowl is return. Very good, very good, very good. Thank you.
1: So, Lee, a couple of years ago, this is a golfing-specific question. I was uh, sitting down and talking to a couple of sports scientists. This was out in Australia, and they're involved in Australian rules. So neither of them were uh, kind of pro golfers or anything like that, but uh, yeah. recreational, and they were having a debate about um, the golf swing and particularly the follow-through. So on one side of the argument was that the follow-through while it's obviously important, technically it doesn't matter a whole lot because you've already hit the ball. The ball is gone. The ball is travelling. There's nothing more you can do. Whereas the other guy was arguing that the follow through is crucial because it'll dictate where the ball goes, etc. So, which side of the fence would you fall on in terms of the follow through and how important it is? Um, I mean, certainly your follow through is a byproduct of what went on before. Yeah. So you know, let's just say you're swinging it aggressively out to
2: him, and that you're probably going to end up in a pretty low finish position. And I, I, I suppose I, I'm not sitting on the fence. I suppose I sit in the middle a little bit um, in, the, in, in the fact that you have, uh, many people I teach see the ball as the end of the swing. Yeah. So they don't see the point beyond that. So what you'll see is many people, if you're, I suppose from a power point of view, if you're trying to bring all the force together at the exact point of striking the ball to maximize your efficiency, you want to be trying to hit through the ball and driving through it where many people I would teach on a daily basis, this is more your sort of non-elite clients. Very often don't move very well over the ball. So a classic would be, you know, you have someone who has a good turn on the way back. It's very normal in the day-to-day lesson, but they have a very poor turn on the way through, whether that's fitness, biomechanics, or whether conceptually they just think when the ball's gone, it's done. So I guess i sit a little bit in the middle. That the, the, the follow-through definitely is a product of what happened before. Yeah. Um, there's certainly no point in stopping it at the ball. You want to be putting all your force on the ball, carrying on. So there is merit most definitely in having some decent quality of follow-through. And, you know, if you're going to swing it really fast, you don't want to be hitting brick walls and <laughs> stop its own dead at 100 miles an hour. So there has to be an, an, an energy and a slowdown and a, and a putting the brakes on gradually over time. Um, there's a famous thing in long drives if, if you start to watch it a little bit more where a lot of the big long drive guys break the, the shaft off their back from the follow People can't accelerate so quickly, they can't break it down quick enough, they can't stop it. So, I would, I would come from both sides, but one leads to the other. But you certainly got to
0: be moving through the ball well as well. Okay, Lee. Now, something I'd like to ask you, especially for that golf nerd that I'm going to fill in later on in Le Hinch. What kind of tools and technology do you use? I've seen Martin, he loves his... He loves his analytics, and he has his big screen, and he loves all that. And I was talking to him about Huddle. It's an app I have on my phone. Kind of what? What are the yeah. go-to sort of techie sort of things that you use that maybe complement, obviously, your your know-how, your background. Sure. So um. Uh, I use the same as you, Huddle, Huddle techniques. So I use that video system. Uh, video system amazing last They were they were very expensive fifteen years ago, but you know, Huddle if you want to use it, you could use it for, for free. It's nothing. Yeah, exactly. As long as you've got a good as long as you've got a good camera on your phone, um, you can get some really good video footage and I would use it on a daily basis. because
2: um, 'cause I'm in the long drive business and the speed business I have to use a launch monitor. Okay. And in my case I use a, a, a flight scope. Um, It's a launch monitor. I use flight scope because it measures practice swings as well as when you're hitting shots. Mm. Where the other launch monitors only measure data when you're hitting the ball. So I like to have um, my machine as a flight scope because then I can measure the speed that someone can generate without a ball, first of all. So um, also, if you really want to hit the long way, you need launch in
0: data as well. I went down the line of having pressure mats, which is to do with sort of what they call
2: ground force reactions and um, 3D vest. Now, I had a pressure mat, got rid of it, and then I had um, a huge 3D vest, but what I now do is I don't own any of those. I would actually have
0: made contact, as I have done with some guys, a guy called Steve Gould, who's probably the world's leading
2: expert in ground force reactions in the UK. He's got force plates, so I would try and send someone to him or go to him. And then Mark Ball, he's a 3D expert, or 4D expert, sorry, so what I tend to do is I tend to would reach out to them and send someone to them in an area because I think it's difficult to cover, launch monitor and be very good at that. I think it's difficult to get forward deep, be very good at that, and be very good at um, uh, ground force reaction technology. And then um, if I was on honest, quite often I'd send someone, I'd get a report of them. There'd be nine pages I'd have a quick look at the graphs and then I'd go to the summary to see what I need to do. So, so I think it's difficult. I think it's quite difficult to be an expert in all those fields. I tried to be, I couldn't do it. So to ask your question, I use video, I use launch monitors on a day-to-day basis, and anything beyond that, I would actually put it out to somebody else because they know more than me.
0: Very good. Now, the I want to ask you one more little specific to golf question, then we're going to get into our high-performance questions. Something I've noticed, I was at a baseball game over the weekend in London. Yankees played the Red Sox in the Olympic Stadium. And... A lot of baseball players when they're on deck and they're about to go up and hit have a weight attached to their bat so they're swinging and they're working on speed and power and rhythm and tempo and now i've i've played golf and i have an orange whip you know a kind of device i use for tempo and trying to get my kind of fluidity and not too stiff and then i've seen people use kind of speed clubs and kind of martin had touched on the fact that he used something like that to he you know really generate power and then he goes to his club specific for for the um for when he's long driving uh, back to the question is i suppose do you think it's it's a good idea to use something like a weighted club or a whip with a weight and really working on that patterning with that and then going to your actual club of play be it a golf club or a long driver or do you think it's better to stick with the club of play and the long driver and just hit deliberately with that what do you think really feeds into better prep for the game or for hitting those eight balls so um so i was lucky so um
2: the weighted clubs um, which are pretty new to the golf world i had a set of those about um seven eight years ago so I, i had them a long time before anyone else and before that I was using heavier clubs by putting weight on them and using lighter ones by drilling them out. So I've always been a believer in the overload over speed idea. And okay. you'll see that in Javelin. Uh, you know, They use light balls and heavy balls to throw. And it's, it's been used in many other... I don't know too much about baseball, but I believe they use those concepts as well. Yeah. So seven years in of using those speed sticks, I think they have a very, very big place... Sorry, a very, very decent place within your speed training. But as only part of it, not the overall thing. So, uh, what I found is is that when I was using them, I was getting some very good results, as in getting people to swing faster. So the lighter one makes you swing faster, and the heavy one makes you work harder. So I was getting great results. But very often, and especially with good players, is that when I put a ball back down, their brain just defaulted a little bit back to their normal speed, especially if it's a good player to try and hit the fairway. Yeah, yeah. So. Then i developed something on the top of that where I've got the overload over speed and then I've got that, I've got hitting
0: pads. Okay. So basically, I try to build the usable speed with the super speeds or the lights and the heavies and then
2: I then get that, I don't actually use the middle one, so I use the light, the heavy and I do all the other middle speed training with the golf club, which I think I told Martin to do as well. So I go light, heavy and the golf club. Mm. I then introduce the pads. So with the pads, what you've then got to do is you have to hit something so you're trying to accrue all the force together at the time of impact and also you've got to square the face. so my own thing a little bit with the light and heavy ones is there's nothing to hit and there's nothing to square up you haven't got to hit anything so I then introduce resistance pads into that training as well and so I use super speed or the light and heavy ones and then I go resistance training so I do believe they have a big part in training but it's not the whole story It needs to be done with other things as well as. Strength training, resistance training, and hitting objects. And if you look at other sports like boxing, you
0: know, you don't generally punch something in fresh air, you would back it into something. Someone's got the pads up with the arms up. I think you need that to build usable speed and get something to hit. Yeah, that's an excellent answer. Really clear. Okay. Thank you.
1: So, Lee, we're going to um, just move on to a couple of quick fire performance related questions or ones we give everyone who comes on. So, we'll um, be good to get your uh, slant on it what would be your definition of high performance from a from a long drive point of view yeah or coaching point of view or, or kind of whatever point of view you you see fit um so as in what would how, sorry so sorry just to define the question so how
2: does anyone
1: reach a high level yeah um yeah yeah the, we've kind of deliberately made the questions a bit open to interpretation just to get a wide variety of answers so um yeah okay. so So if we took long drive, um, I suppose for me there's high performance in Europe
2: where you need a set speed and then there's world-class performance. So from a long drive perspective, um, you're going to have to swing it up near 140 miles an hour um, and then you're going to have to do a lot of other things well. So if we just took long drive at world level, you're going to have to have a certain set speed to reach it. You're going to have to hit the ball good enough to generate ball speeds of over 210 miles an hour. Uh, you're then going to have to have a pretty good golf swing in that From So from a long drive point of all, a lot of people turn up and they're certainly going to have a go at long drive. But the nice and good golfers. So one of the great myths of long drive is that the guys can't play, they can't hit it, and they can't do anything. Uh, try it in a one or two degree driver straight over 400 yards. That takes high level performance, yeah? Yeah. So f- for me to get someone in the specifics of long drive to work at the highest level, there needs to be a good golfer, uh, sitting in a long driver's swing so you would make biomechanic adjustments to do that. They need to train to be very strong. They need to have a shot pattern that they can bring out when it matters and then they need to have to perform under the lights in front of the telly when it really matters.
0: Great. Excellent.
1: Perform under the lights there. Um, okay second one then if uh this might be something you coach or it might be something that you use yourself. Um if something doesn't go to plan, obviously we can make a fairly easy example: where a shot doesn't make the distance or goes out of bounds. How do you, how do you teach your your athletes to refocus and regain their regain their composure? Are any tricks um, or tools you use? Um, I suppose it, I suppose it's different. So if, it, if it was a long drive, if it was a long drive um, related pattern, so say they've got two minutes thirty to eight
2: balls, I would actually at this point get them to time. All of their swings, all their patterns of movement. Uh, i like them to have 15 seconds left to hit the last ball. But I'd like them to turn the whole thing into a, a, a rhythm where they're hitting balls at the same amount of time. They're not rushing. They're not jumping in to hit the next shot. So the patterns are the same. The timings are the same. And just try to make them feel quite comfortable in what they're doing. Um, I suppose long guys are a little different from playing. You know, if you put seven out of it doesn't matter. You've still got one. It can save the day. Um, at the same time as that, I know I know sports psychologists will give like a tour player that allow them five bad shots around, six bad shots around. So you're going to hit them. One's going to happen. Just be accepting of it, and then just go back to your old processes. So just trying to make the whole thing as a process, and then just allow them to let go of that bad shot, whether it is playing golf or a long drive.
1: Yeah, no, I like that. And then last one for me, Lee. Um, what would you say your three big things are in life at the moment? So by that. I mean, kind of. I have you three big areas of focus, whether that's personal or professional life, and, and that is kind of really defining who you are as a coach, as a person at the moment. Um, that's, that's,
2: a pretty, that's a pretty big question, really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty happy in the life. I've got a little boy. I've got a nice family life, so that that, that keeps me very happy. Um, I, I'd like, I'd like to, I'd like to make long drive a bigger sport. It's something that I never particularly did for the money. Um, I just like it, really. I I like that. I'd like to make that a a, a recognised sport. And uh, one of the other things, probably just from a work point of view, I like doing is I like taking sort of high-level stuff that you lose with long drives and just give it to the average man in the street. You know, just one or two
0: little key little moments that might might put a smile on his face when he leaves the door when he's getting a shot that he's never hit before. Very good. And now... Lee, I want to ask a couple of quick fires. We might modify a little bit from golf. To, you play golf as well, or uh, I used to be a professional.
2: I'm pretty rubbish now, but I could hit it out at
0: one point. Okay, so I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask away. Quick fire questions. If you could pick a current four ball that you're a part of, you can have a long driver in there. Who's your four ball? <laughs> Alive or okay. dead? Alive. Uh, okay. Good question. Well, I, I might need five minutes to think about that one. You can go with dead uh, if you would like. Gonna, <laughs> oh God! Uh, I was going to go with Seve. Okay, Seve's in there. Yeah, he's been answered yeah, before uh, as well. Yeah.
2: Uh, Who go For with Bobby Moore,
0: I'm not even sure he played golf. I'm sure he did. Fine, Captain. <laughs> yeah, and uh. I'll be the West Ham fan. I'll go with him. And I was in your and stadium I'm over the weekend where Trevor Brooking yeah, is yeah, all I'll over the place. That.
2: And I might, I might put Churchill in there. He, he played a bit of golf.
0: I'd rather good to talk to him. <laughs> That'd be an entertaining form. And yourself. Very good. Well, Favourite course you've played on? Yes, okay.
2: So, um, I don't know what did I really enjoy? Royal County Down was pretty tough to beat. Okay. Well, um, I've been very, very sport. Just thinking Royal County Down was a bit special. Mm, yeah, I'm struggling. And a, a, a day out at uh, and Dow is pretty much tough to beat,
0: but maybe the best 36 holes in the world. Okay. Woodlands course or Lynx course? Mm, I love a bit of Lynx. Very good. We're, we're west of Ireland here, so that was a good answer. Um, <laughs> can't go wrong out there, Favourite club in your bag beside the driver?
2: I quite like my little
0: rescue. Okay. It's a little saviour. I used to be good at it in three hours. I'm not anymore. I've become an old man. I can whip that rescue up okay. Two more for you. If you're out and it's a sunny day, are you wearing a cap, a bucket hat, or a visor? Okay. I've got no hair, so I
2: need to. My wife makes me wear a cap. If it was my choice, I'd never wear any hat in my life.
0: Okay. I don't don't like them, but the sun now tells me I need to wear one. All right. and oh, might be kind of funny asking you this one. Are you more interested in putting or driving? Uh, yeah, driving. Yeah, I don't <laughs> mind a putt. I'm just rubbish for putting these days as well. So. Like us it's all. It doesn't even, even inspire you. Know? I just like to a good drive. It's good
2: drive. So yeah, you got me. I was going to say driving anyway, was not
0: it? Lee Cox. Um, Thank you very much for coming on with myself and Connor today. You're obviously somebody who helps performers perform under the lights. You're helping Martin and all those other long drivers get the guys taking popcorn out of the stands and really helping improve their game and their striking ability. We've both learned a lot from you today and we're grateful you came on today to speak to us. So thanks very much and wishing you, you and your family all the best.
2: Thanks, David. Thanks, Connor. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yep.
0: Cheers, Lee. Have a good day. Take care, Paul. Take care,
2: Lee. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. All the best, boys.